Welcome to this uh, episode of the Down the Pub podcast. You're going to have to excuse us if this isn't uh, the most happiest of podcasts that we've ever done. Gary's hung over and we have to sit through an annihilation on Saturday. So uh, how you doing, Gary? I'm feeling a bit delicate. I had a, a lovely three days in um, Liverpool or near Liverpool. Do you know, do you know Western Head by any chance? I do not. No, it's like... It's a really beautiful part of Nova Scotia. Like if you go through Liverpool, it's just around the corner from that. So I've had a nice, nice three days with some friends there um, and made the unfortunate decision to come back to the city for the game for a few hours on Saturday. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure we'll get well, I'm sure we'll get on to how good that decision was soon. So before we get into it, I did have a, because I'm a, an old cranky bastard, I did have a, a gripe and a, you probably won't agree with me, but this is just me. So, um, I feel like like we have the march to the match, you know, block one away, the privateers. They put a lot of energy and a lot of time and effort into building up the uh, the atmosphere in the stadium. And it, part of that is to, I guess, intimidate the, the, the other team as they're coming on and, and stuff like that, to kind of let them know that they're in a kind of cauldron of noise, if you would. So, I still don't understand why we do silly things like so like at the game we had the the anthems fair enough everything goes quiet uh do whatever bits and pieces they need to do for the coin toss and then the guy like the mc guy like plays stand by me by benny king right up until the kickoff and i just feel like like why are we wasting everybody's time and energy it's like it's not hockey and i feel like that's where they get this from it's like hockey and basketball like because the fans aren't constantly making noise, there's kind of levels, you know what I mean, and they kind of fill stuff with music. But like the whole the whole point of everybody doing the march to the match and building up for the game is to get the noise pumping. And once the national anthems are over, like turn it off and just allow the stadium just to take over. You know what I mean? But it was just really odd that right up until literally whoever kicked off. Stand by me, boy. And I felt really I, I, ironic by the end of the game, considering what had happened. So it's just, just a little pet peeve. I don't understand why they, they do that. I think what they're trying is, um, you know, like how Liverpool have, you'll never walk alone. Uh, Selwick do as well, don't they? A few clubs have that kind of big anthem just before the match starts where the whole crowd sings along. I think there's an attempt to try and have something like that going on at Wanderers Grounds. And like, if you think about the tone of those songs, they're not like kind of drummy sort of beat you get up for this songs. They're more like collaborative um, sing-alongs to get everyone kind of 
singing from the same hymn sheet so to speak so i think that's what they're trying to do but obviously something like that takes a it takes years and years and years and years to develop organically doesn't it so like it if you're in the stadium i think as a fan like like i think that i think the thinking process behind it is like right we want to do this what is a song that has that sort of tone that everyone knows and they thought like people would start singing along to it so i think that's probably i think that's probably the plan i think it's i know you said like is it a hockey thing but i actually think it's they're going for more of a football thing with like some of the european clubs having the the club anthem but but yeah, it kind of it reflects. It looked quite bad when you lose, doesn't it? Well, but I, but I find that like we're like I know it's Celtic and stuff like that. Like they do, like you'll never walk alone. Like, but there's always still a gap between the finish of that song and the kickoff, and the crowd erupts, and there's a noise, there's a buildup of you know the sound, like the wall of sound that comes mm. from the fans. And I just feel like like cutting the music off, like right as they're kicking the ball off, it just kind of kills. The atmosphere, and I understand what you're saying with the the anthem, and I know Derek like is probably it's something that he's into, and I get it, but it just seemed to me like that you're just wasting an awful lot of the the fans' energy who've like you know like you can some some poor bastard's been banging the drum over there for like an hour already, and then it's like he's been drowned out by Benny fucking King. So anyway. <laughs> All right, that's, that's my, my rant over. Anyway, so let's. Uh... You having a you having a good day, mate? You having a good day? Honestly, it was literally the first thing I wrote on my little notepad, like my little uh, on my notes on my phone on uh, on on Saturday. I was just like, what the, for fuck's sake!s Like, just stop the fucking music. Like, like I, 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 there doesn't there doesn't need to be uh, and like. Anyway, um, let's move on. Uh, so um... I, feel like, I feel like I've stepped into the middle of a hurricane. I've just like walked into the middle of a <laughs> just whipping around me. I'm just trying to uh, set the tone for the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to so, try and make this as light as possible. <laughs> so, so I feel like uh, you you hit the nail on the head. I, I think the last time when you said that, like we really need a win in this game because it's gonna go from you see what happened to Calvary like they drew their first five and then they beat Ottawa and everything's like hunky dory mm. and it's all roses over in in Calgary whereas here we had the opposite where we got hammered and now it's kind of gone a bit doom and gloomy and if you're seeing any of the comments and any of the group chats and, and all that kind of stuff it's it, it was a bit of a, a a bit of a dire day but um just to kind of get into it uh so obviously we were missing Lorenzo um so formation wise, did we change anything, or did we just like do a like for like change of bringing Mo Omar into Lorenzo's position? I don't think it was exactly like for like, but but kind of if we're using broad strokes, and yeah, Omar came in as the six, and I think when we when we're talking about this game, like you have to think about what profile of six Omar is compared to the profile of six that Lorenzo is. So. It, like it very simply put, I think Lorenzo is an on the ball six and Omar is an off the ball six. So with someone like Omar, he, he's there to break up play and get rid of it as quickly as possible. Whereas when when Lorenzo's there, he's there to kind of be the conductor of the orchestra to dictate play and everything to go through him. So straight away, you kind of you pose a stylistic question to the rest of the team when you do have two contrasting sixes like that. And I think. Lorenzo's superpower is that he allows the players around him to not be perfect. That's his superpower. That's what he brings to this team. You can be Aidan Daniels, you can be Rampy, you can be Riley Ferrazzo, and you can not be perfect. You can kind of drop a pass in, like make it a bit of a hospital ball. You can kind of play him into trouble. 
not a problem. He can play in a phone box. He can turn out and play. Like, that's Lorenzo's superpower. Whereas Omar, he obviously isn't at the level of, of Lorenzo, and that's not his fault. But he also, as I said, is more of an off-the-ball six, so you can't really rely on him to take it into those really tight spaces like you can with Lorenzo. So straight away, you're kind of, by having him there, you're leaning into a problem we already have, which is being very susceptible to central turnovers because we've conceded quite a few goals this season after turning the ball over centrally and the other team just kind of runs through and runs through and scores. So big, big miss, Lorenzo. Like Omar is a good player. I still think he's more of a centre-back and I've, I think I've always said that. I think he's more of a centre-back. Um, but the team around him didn't adapt to... They they were kind of playing the game like Lorenzo was still there and playing those passes into really risky areas like Lorenzo was still there and Omar just doesn't have the feet for it. Um, like and I was looking at the stats after the game as well and I think up, up to half-time he'd played like 25 passes or something, taken off at half-time, but let's just extrapolate that to the second half as well. He would have played about 50 passes. So we've gone from having Lorenzo, who plays like fucking 90 to 100 passes a game, to someone who was on track to play 50 passes a game. And that is such a wide gulf and such a wide contrast that it's very difficult to play your game when when that person's missing. I'm sure we'll get into later whether that means we should be adapting how we play our game or whether it's just a case of any team you take out their best player and they they suffer. Yeah, I, I, I definitely felt that you can kind of feel people around who were like kind of on his case a little bit, Mo Omar. And I actually, I agree. Like, I think it was unfair just because like he, he wasn't Lorenzo. And as you said, like, I mean, Lorenzo is, is spraying 50, 60 yard passes. You know, he's he's he has the ability to to bring others into the game whereas like Mo is more of a just like as you said like win the ball and just lay it off to somebody who can do that 50 60 yard pass and it just looked like nobody was coming to take the ball from him because that's what he wants you know he's he's got he's got his head up but it's not like he's not going to ping a pass in behind the defense for Fernandez to run onto that's not his game he's going to look and we kind of went back to our to our usual thing of from last season of just sideways ball you know, like there, it wasn't, and the only way that we tended to play forward was like depending on our our backline to hit 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 and hope balls, and it was it just wasn't working. Like I mean, like Christian Campania is like one of our like one of our best defenders, and he just looked bang average because he was doing stuff that wasn't his game. So I, I just kind of wanted to ask you, like you know, where you kind of said there about our high turnover in in midfield and most of our goals coming from that. Looking at the first goal, especially, like we kind of obviously we fell asleep a little bit because we were expecting um, a whistle, but the defender coming towards the ball didn't seem to attack it as much. Like it seems like there was like a disconnect between the midfield and defense. Like, is, what do you think is causing that? Firstly, to like to just address what you said about us looking like we were playing long balls. I think I think you were right, but I don't think that was the game plan at all. I think, and I think this is something we're going to get into as we talk about this game because of Patrice's quotes afterwards. This idea of the players being a bit intimidated, and and I think I think there's two ways of approaching analysis of this game. There's looking at it from a tactical perspective, and there's looking at it from a mental perspective and an emotional perspective. 
And if we talk about why players start to play long balls, I think that falls into the latter camp. I think that's players who, as soon as we conceded a goal and as soon as things started to go a little bit wrong, really, really shrunk really really shrunk they were just they will live in that kind of like nightmare we all have where something's going wrong at work and everyone's just staring at you while this thing goes wrong and I thought they kind of sacrificed their principles a little bit when that happened they stopped trying to like they stopped trying to take risks and like the the, the evolution of this team at the minute is like where we eventually want to be is we want to be a team that has like high technical risk and right now we're trying to be a team that has high technical security because you can't take start taking technical risks until you're secure. And I think they kind of jumped over the security part of that at the start of the game and they took risks. It didn't work. We looked really all over the place and then they shit themselves a little bit and kind of really reverted to the basics, which is hot potato football. Like Campagna gets it, for example, just to use him as an example, he's got two blokes closing him down. Instead of just kind of like relying on the patterns and the repetitions they've been working on throughout the week, he just thinks, oh fuck, I don't like this. Whack it into the channel or whack it out of play. And that happened quite a lot. Um, so I think that I think that was a big part of it, just really not dealing with the pressure very well and the stress of the situation very well. Um, and then the first goal kind of kind of came from that. The first goal, Omar lost it, didn't he, in the middle of the pitch, central turnover. Yeah, yeah I think it was a collision with the with Alou, I think, and then it kind of just uh, sprung on from there. And so, and you saw the shape then. Like what I thought was happening was York were leaving just four four players up the pitch pretty much as often as they can. Like. York were playing a 4-2-3-1 and that 4 and that 2 were really, really defensive and the 3 and the 1 were really, really attacking because they know we build with three centre-backs. They know we build with a 3, a 2 and then five players in the five attacking lanes. So they just left four up there and kept going, all right, if we if we like pinch your pocket in the middle of the pitch, we've got four on three straight away or five and four straight away. The left-back joined, joined the attack a lot as well to create a six-man and... All of those turnovers, we, we they're just killing us, and they've been killing us quite a lot this season as well. Like, if you have your kind of your reference point in the middle of the pitch, and they lose the ball, then you are so exposed. Aiden Daniels and Rampy, for all of their qualities, do not have good recovery pace. So again, if you lose it there, you fucking your eights aren't catching up with their attackers. So suddenly you get like five on four situations, and that's going to kill you. Yeah, it's it, it was kind of. There, there was like an awful lot of it felt like uh, unforced errors, but you know, just kind of like talking about um, what you said there about the panic mode. Like, do you think like it's a hangover from last year? Like, you know, because as, as soon as that first goal went in, obviously we were not playing well up until uh, the first goal. We were we were all over the place, as you said, because we were trying different things, da, 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 and then the goal goes in. But last year, because we been through so much like you know we were beaten by forge and uh, you know, like we had like a lot of kind of defeats and draws and all that kind of stuff like it kind of felt like something went around the stadium almost where it was just like oh fuck here we go again you know what i mean like it's a kind of mm-hmm. and it's, i don't think i think it's just like <clears throat> we're all just like uh have emotional distress at this at this stage <laughs> and uh, like maybe the players are kind of like felt that negative energy going around the the ground maybe Maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe. And and it's weird you, you mentioned that Forge game because that was a year ago this weekend, I think. That that Forge I think game it was 3-0 where it all kind of I think it was the uh the the actual like year, like actual anniversary. It was the same day, same date. Cursed, <laughs> cursed. Yeah. Um 
yeah in terms of like the negativity like at least where where i am it's i think maybe where i sit like people are quite passive like there's a few guys down at the front who are quite vocal but i can never really hear what they're shouting at the players so i don't know if it's encouraging or disparaging so i'm not sure but it doesn't it doesn't feel like a negative crowd does it like no. i think like there's there's negative voices on twitter or whatever when you read the stuff after the game but i've never really got the sense in the ground that the fans are turning or close to turning and i think even like behind the goal in the kitchen i think the supporters group are more um they're not like reactive are they then like their chants and stuff and their their reaction they're not really reacting to what is happening on the pitch it's more kind of um rehearsal or chants and things like that so I don't think there's a risk of those turning either because that's kind of support culture here. I've not really seen that. I, th I think it's just, yeah, like they're just embarrassed. I think honestly, it comes down to that. They just, they just feel a bit embarrassed. And I don't think you can, I don't think you can say it's kind of a hangover from last year either because who was on the pitch on Saturday that was in the team last year, like Rampy and Fernandez were the only ones. So it's, they're, they're not carrying that emotional baggage. It's just, yeah, in the moment, doing your job badly in front of a lot of people is not a nice place to be, is it, for anyone, especially young men who are in their early 20s? So Somebody actually made a really good point. I'm not too sure who it was. that um, Because like this is only our second game at home, um, and it's kind of a good thing to play away for the first few if like and get some good results and, and all that kind of stuff. But because most of these guys haven't actually played in front of a Wanderers crowd and just only their second one that 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 might be a disadvantage too that you're going from you know playing away from home where you don't have people like shouting for you cheering for you or doing anything to you whereas and then suddenly you've got six and a half thousand crazy fuckers uh banging drums and you know what I mean so maybe that, that could be a little bit just a bit of stage fright or something but it, it just yeah I'm, I'm just really worried like because of like uh that I'm just afraid that the negativity is going to kick back in again after one really poor performance, and I, I, I think it's we we kind of need to give them a chance. I think, um, but just looking at how it just, I think a lot of the problem is is that you know it it, it looked it looked like a lack of effort, you know, like people weren't sprinting back and uh, like to me like I. I've seen a lot of the comments with that was like a lack of effort. Do you think there was a lack of effort? No, no, I never do. I honestly, I think like there's not a professional footballer or athlete in the world where in front of 6,500 people don't make an effort. Like just naturally, instinctively, even if you deep down don't care, you still make an effort because you don't want to like embarrass yourself in front of everyone by not trying. So I don't think it's that. I think it was... There was a million other things, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it was a lack of effort. Like they, they wouldn't have got this far in their career if they were susceptible to like not trying. So, I think it was more just stage fright, like you said earlier, rather than a, a, a matter of effort. I, I, I must say, I think that um, uh, Martin Nash um, played a kind of really well, like the formation he set up, and having Austin Ricci, who's like just. And completely not a pain in the arse. Like he just buzzes around, and like him and Campania were getting into it, like for a large part in that first half. And he just he's kind of like a get in your face kind of player. And I think that really unsettled people too. I, I think uh, like and Di Rosario is kind of the same kind of guy too, where he's kind of like in your face kind of thing. So like, uh, do you think it was more to 
do you think that we're we're not looking at how good a job York did? Maybe like because I thought they were set up perfectly for the 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 team they were playing against. Big time, yeah. So they've obviously had a week, like you mentioned last week, they've had a week in Halifax to prepare for this, and they, I thought they prepared excellently. Um, yeah, like I said, like we've talked about before, this idea of we kind of play with a five-five, don't we? So we have like five players who are defensively minded and five players who. Uh, work in the attack and I think York kind of set up like a 6-4 so they had six defensively minded players and four attacking players so they had the four defenders they had the two defensive midfielders Baldissimo and Sumaro or something brilliant player he is yeah really really big and physical um and then they just they just left the four up front that they'd they'd Ricci, Alou, um Bahia, I don't know how to say his name, and Di Rosario. And they were just so energetic and such a nuisance, all of them. Like just like constantly pressing, like very, very aggressive with our centre backs, punched in on Omar every time he got the ball. Because again, they knew if you turn Wanderers over centrally, you've got a good chance of, of scoring like within the five seconds after you create that turnover. So I thought that was really brave actually from Martin Nash to like say, we're just gonna leave those four up there most of the match like they'll kind of drop in every now and then every now and then Baldissimo will punch out of his hole and kind of join them the left back Faye again he'll join them occasionally but really we're going to leave those four up there and just try and create turnovers so we have numerical advantages and and they did so fair play to Martin Nash like I, I don't think of him as a particularly adventurous coach but I thought that was quite an adventurous tweak he made and it worked really well for them uh, I think we should talk about the. Uh, not, I don't want to keep harping on about York, but uh, the the that, this Alou guy that they picked up in, in the summer there, mm. what a player, huh? Uh, you just feel like uh, yeah, given, I liked him a lot. Just given a couple of more games, you can just feel he's gonna he's he's gonna hit next level. Like the the goal was fantastic. Yeah, he looks he looks really good. They've this is why I really thought they. Would, I, I mean, in our prediction, I thought they'd come second, didn't I? And I don't think that anymore, but I do think they're better than having four defeats already. Like, yeah, that Alou looks really good. I really like the the centre midfielder as well. I don't know how to say his name, though. Samaro or something? Yeah, I think you're getting it right. Yeah. yeah, he was... He's he's huge, isn't he? Really, really big. And he just bullied Rampy and Daniels. Like, they couldn't... Any duel, he would win the duel. No problem at all, because he's just a really big guy big stride Baldissimo's tidy so they could get from like they could get from their like defensive third to attacking third really really quickly because they had players like him who could carry it and we don't really have players with recovery pace to deal with players that carry it as well like look at their first goal fine they 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 turn it over centrally but that doesn't mean he should then have a free run from like close to the centre circle to our 18 yard box about getting challenged. Like that happens because our our tens and eights don't have the recovery pace to get back and all of that stuff as well. So yeah. Yeah, I I mean um I, I think uh he was really good. But the, the thing that caught my eye an awful lot too is that even like the second balls like York were just always seemed to be forced mm-hmm. to them. Like I there, there was like a, a hunger there and I think it's probably just because as well they're coming off quite a few games when they're like they should have won, and they kind of just like even like the game. I was talking to like Max Ferrari last week, and I even kind of like I mentioned to him about the Pacific game they played. They were like right in that game, and had they taken their chances, 
they would have probably came away with a point, but they kind of like missed their chances and then fell apart at the end. Um, There's definitely the makings of a good team there. And I just like Max Ferrari came out with the blocks and had two big crunching tackles within the first five minutes, which kind of set the tone as well. And I, I just think that we were almost like shell shocked and weren't expecting them to be that much in our faces maybe, but uh, it was, it was just, it was just really odd. Um, So like coming into the, the, the second half, then obviously like we made the changes at halftime. We brought Mo Omar off like uh, Teo, like was, <clears throat> I felt really bad for him because he wasn't getting any support whatsoever. And that guy, like, I'd love to see like what his, like, how much he runs in a in a game because like he runs his bollocks off and he puts it about a little bit and you know I, I think he's like he, he tried manfully to try and lead the line but like nothing was sticking like he was barely getting any service um so he came off as well so do you think that we made the right changes and I know you're a a, a real tactics guy so did we change anything tactically um at halftime like did we change our formation did we move to it did we change the way that people uh move to the pitch or anything like that i thought the first thing we were far more aggressive in pressing their defenders in the second half um massimo ferrin moved to kind of center forward bit false 90 but he was playing centrally um kosi came on on the left wing and eventually Tim Mateo came on as well. So the principles were still there. Like it was still kind of a three box three or three diamond three. So that didn't change too much. But I think introducing um, Thomas Geraldo changed the way we looked quite a lot because he came on absolutely fearless and not really giving a shit. Um, <laughs> not the tidiest player ever, but very, very aggressive and very, very pressy. He runs about a lot. Probably could, I mean, I don't know the player well at all, but I imagine he can be a bit of a headless chicken sometimes. But saying that, I thought he was incredibly brave and took chances when the rest of the players were shitting themselves a bit and were too scared to take chances. So I respect that straight away and I look forward to seeing him again. So we were a lot more aggressive second half, but in terms of shape and structure, and I, I say this without actually having watched the second half back since Saturday. So I don't remember it looking massively different, though. It was just kind of a, a change in mindset. And also they they were trying to play a bit more first time or at least only taking two touches. Whereas in the first half, again, a symptom of nervousness is you take too many touches because you're scared of making a mistake and playing a poor pass which a lot of them were so I thought we were taking like one touch too many a lot which cuts off connections which stops the patterns being able to be played so second half they seem to be trying to like punch it a bit quicker one two touch um so it was more that side of things that changed however when you concede a goal in the first move of the second half and that kills any momentum and any kind of energy that would have been whipped up in the changing room. So you spend the next 15 minutes recovering from that and then you can kind of like try and implement the the, the changes. But it's difficult when you concede after one minute in the second half. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was funny. Like the uh, the announcer was still announcing the uh, the substitutions when that bloody goal went in. It was kind of crazy, but it, mm. it, it, was just, it was just another kind of symptom of us just being we just kind of felt it looked like we were asleep but I, I do I do agree with your point about uh like uh, is it Geraldo am I saying is it Geraldo or Geraldo I'm not too sure um how you 
I don't want to mess it up. But uh, anyway, who knows? Ask yeah. um, ask Carlos. Yes. Uh, but yeah, like I, I thought he was really good when he came on. He has a he's a lot of energy. He was kind of buzzing around, and uh, I, I think that's exactly what we needed. We needed somebody that was, um, and you could probably say they probably took their foot off the, the gas a little bit because you know you're training a lot. But I, I definitely think that he was a, a positive. I think I think Zach Fernandez was probably one of our best better players again. You know, he just you just always get a solid shift out of him. I think that when Ruby came on, uh, he added. A little bit of Goyle back there too. I, I, he just never seems to be phased by anything. I think he's uh, he was he was he was a, the right player to bring on. I think maybe him coming on a little bit earlier might have helped, but uh, I thought he was really good. So the second half, there there was some kind of positives, but you know, like overall in the game, like was there any positives for you at all, Gar, or do you just like scrap it and just move on? <laughs> Just scrap it. Just scrap it and move on. It was a really, really bad day at the office, wasn't it? Like I don't, I don't think there's too many. There's a little, like I said, like Geraldo's a bit of a redeeming feature of that game. Um, like we have Lorenzo coming back as well, and and like this, this was always this kind of thing was always going to happen this season, and it this won't be the last time this happens either. Like we will lose three or four nil at least one or two more times because. Like I said, if you're going to be as aggressive as York were, if 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 we were even 80% at our level of passing and crispness of pass and execution of pass, then we could have played through them. Like, like fucking that. Uh, one of the, <laughs> it was just a small moment in the game, but one of the angriest, the most angry I've ever been at the Wanderers grounds was when it was 2-0. We were kind of coming back into it. We broke up one of their attacks. The ball falls to Christian Campagna. Zachary Fernandez is literally running through on goal alongside, I think, I think um, Cologne was up there with him and they had one defender back. It was the easiest pass in the world to play. And Campagna just fucking twatted it. And I don't know if he was trying to score from the halfway line or just like, and it was just like, what are you doing? Like, he literally could have slipped that Fernandez in and he just hits it to their goalie. And it was like, oh my days, like, have a word <laughs> of yourself. Give your, just give your head a wobble. Like, mo- <laughs> like, moments like that, like, for all of the conversations we can have about tactics and mentality, like, when you've got so many players who are just way off it like that, then, yeah, there's always going to be days like that. And I am, for now, cautiously happy to just put this in a little box and put it, at the back of the closet and say let's never talk about this again hopefully it's just kind of a, a one-off and yeah even though I just said there's going to be two or three more of them this season but you know yeah like you know it, it, I guess the next time it'll happen is whenever Lorenzo picks up his next suspension so <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can just start yeah, counting but... the cards again but you, you know um <laughs> that uh in the the, the post match thing, uh, like um, Patrice had mentioned that like the Ferran miss might have changed things a little bit. Like you got to be putting that away to be perfectly honest. And I know he's he was out for a couple of games, but mm. you know that kind of gives that goes in and it kind of gives us a little bit of a, a boost, I guess, towards the end. And like you know, even like just seeing out the game of um, us. Uh, like being on the front foot would just kind of send people home a little bit happy with a goal to kind of remember and even that mm. that that mist just kind of summed up the whole afternoon I thought yeah yeah it did and I think I think this is one of those games where and I think this has happened this has always been the case 
place with with the club and the supporters where um people are really really unwilling to ever point the finger at the that would point their finger at the players i think people always point their fingers at kind of derek or recruitment or whoever the coach is or whatever and but then sometimes and i think this is what happened on saturday the players have really bad days too many of them had a real off day and you don't like and that needs that i think that needs to be acknowledged sometimes as well and i think i think it's kind of a a, a, like a nice canadian thing because i think the personality of Canadians is to always punch upwards um, to never punch downwards. And I think it feels a bit like punching downwards if you aim any sort of criticism at the players. And and I do agree with that actually, because they're like, they're most of them are like 21 years old. So you don't want to be a dick and just like say that 21 year old was shit at his job because when I was 21, I was shit at my job. And <laughs> it just happens. You have days, you have days like that, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but I, I think, I think, I think this game was a little bit tactical, very much emotional and stage fright based and maybe like 25, 30% just individuals being way off it. Um, so I think you asked me what the positives were and I just went on a weird run about that. So um, yeah, <laughs> not many. Yeah, I, I mean, I I, um, I think one of the positives for me, and it might sound a bit funny, but I, I think that uh, Jan having a go at, Hey, Lockery about uh, he was trying to shepherd the ball out and made a balls of it, and like the two of them were having like a right old ding dong. Mm-hmm. And t- to me, like it needed that. It needed somebody to fucking call somebody out and say this isn't fucking good enough. And I think you know <clears throat> that was the kind of lackadaisical uh, way we were playing. Is that it, like the shepherding out of that ball was was terrible? And I just think that you know to me it was like. All right, somebody's somebody's willing to fucking have a go with somebody else here and say like this isn't fucking good enough. And I, I think that was for me just mm. a tiny little positive that we have somebody that's willing to stand up uh, um, in, in the team and give a bollock when it needs to be done. So um, I, I yeah, you know, it's a it's, a, it's a accountability, isn't it? Yeah, and I, f- I feel like you know, like for Patrice, uh, like and and Jordan and the and Jed and the the, the coaching team and and Jan, it's kind of it's difficult because you know the only thing you can ever say is we can give them all the training in the world all the tactics all the formations but at the end of the day we can't play the game for them and it's it is kind of a cliche and patrice kind of said it after but it's it's 100 correct like you know like i i think you can prepare and prepare prepare people all the video tech you want and all that kind of stuff but if you if you show up and you're just not on your game like this will happen so Sorry, man. The the recruiting aspect of this is really interesting. I think in this league because, like, if you're recruiting for a Premier League team, whoever you're recruiting, you know exactly how they deal with every single kind of pressure point in the game. Whereas with our league, if you're recruiting NCAA players or League One Ontario players or players from any kind of level of the youth system in Canada, you know all about them technically and how good they are as players, but you have no idea how they deal with playing in front of crowds. It's impossible to know because they never really have had to. And I felt like, yeah, we saw a few players who didn't deal with that too well, but I don't know how you, I don't know how you address that in the recruitment process if you can never see them in that environment. It's... It's interesting and it's a difficult thing to look at. It's it's impossible, but I, I think you know, uh, looking at like last year, like like when Mo Omar came in, he kind of looked a little bit deer in the headlights with the whole thing and was kind of a little bit um, 
over looked overwhelmed. But by the end of the season, he was he was fine. Probably one of our better players, to be honest. So I, I think it's I think it's just a matter of time, you know. And it's 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 difficult. There's no way for you to scout for it. So you kind of have to just prepare people for it. And like the, having those friendly games, I think. Uh, um, at Dal was probably it was a good idea for that that you they got to kind of see a mini version of what what it was like to play, but um, it, it is and just having this is only their second game at home, you kind of have to go, all right, let's uh, mm. let's give them the benefit of the doubt this time, but yeah, we can't have too many more of these or it's it's going to be a long fucking stop. So um, <laughs> yeah. it's difficult it's difficult as well, mate. Like specifically for Wanderers players because. And we're part of the problem here. Like out of every club in the league, there is by far the most kind of dialogue and conversation around the club because we have such an active fan base. We have multiple bloggers. We've got multiple podcasts. And like if if you're a player, I would hope they don't read any of it or listen to any of it. Like, I really hope they don't because you. That's, you how can you perform when you know there's this conversation I mean, the alternative is no one blogs and no one podcasts, which is not good. Like it's it's a good thing that these things exist because content kind of creates interests and drives ticket sales and blah, blah. But like if you're a player, they like stay away from the noise. So when you walk on that pitch in front of 6,500 people, you're not thinking, oh, God, that guy that slagged me off on Twitter, he might be in the crowd or that yeah. fucking dickhead Irish podcaster who said I wasn't trying might be <laughs> watching. <laughs> like just to block all that shit out. <laughs> yeah, that's uh yeah, that that never listened to me, never listened to me. So yeah, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um but yeah, let's uh I, I don't even think it's worthy of us uh, saying for Amanda matching this one. Um I, I think the Lorenzo, yeah, yeah, Jesus, like the 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 poor people who <laughs> stayed until the very end, till the ninetieth minute, fair play to them. Um, uh, yeah, so it, it's been. Let's let's hope that uh, the next one, Gar, the uh, next one's again specific. That uh, uh, we we're talking about something a little bit more uh, more happy. Um, just just on that Pacific game, I, I saw that uh, Mister Basket played his first game for Pacific there on the weekend. He did pretty well, so. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he starts against us uh, next weekend and hopefully we'll uh, put four or five past them just to go, there you go, pal. <laughs> uh, there you go, mate. I best, think, best I think Big Jan Michael's going to walk, walk. <laughs> yeah, Michael's going to walk on the pitch and give him a stone-cold stunner at some point. <laughs> That's for calling me a nasty name. <laughs> I, I really hope that the, the cameras are there for the, to catch that moment. <laughs> <laughs> all right man uh, and then the, re- the ref the ref the ref the ref takes off his mask and it's christian oxner and he gives him a rock bottom <laughs> oh my god oh and then it's like the, just just like a dead cage comes down like the wwe or something and it's like a fight for the end <laughs> oh dear all right man uh i thank you for giving me a laugh at the end of what it was a fucking terrible terrible game that you so uh enjoy your hangover <laughs> thank Take you care, let's buddy. never speak of any of this again it's done <laughs> see you later mate folks <laughs> please wait for please time to drink on folks get out out to fuck please